That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. All right, Jake, here we are for the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. We've had the Holy Spirit now for six weeks. Hmm. We're well on our way to perfection. We're continuing our reading through Genesis, Romans, and Matthew. But how are you? Oh, besides the fact that you're wearing a great hat from a restaurant in Waco, Texas called Milo. I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, um, uh, just every time I wear this hat, I, I kind of feel like I can relate to the regular people of this world. So uh, <laughs> those people who live outside of Manhattan. Yeah, that's right. The rest of the world. So how do you guys live? Yeah. So. Well, you know, it's hard, Jake. We wake up in the morning, uh, step into my dirt floor kick the rats aside and make my way to the outhouse. And that That's begins right. another day outside of Manhattan. So is there running water yet? No, I'm just kidding. Just but cold, uh, just cold water. <laughs> we have to heat it up on the stove. Of course, then I had to start a fire to get it you know, going, but mm, it's all right. Mm. I feel like it's good. It's good for me. So, and do you guys uh, enjoy bowls of mutton and much game? Like, much like this little story that we're about to tell. Taking place in Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 34. Um, That's all, right. So, yeah, yeah go ahead. What are you saying? All seriousness aside, uh, so we begin to see um, <laughs> the, um, the uh, second generation kind of uh, the descendants of Abraham. And so, Isaac and uh, his wife, we discover, is um, Rebecca, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean. Um, she is barren as well. So, um, and Isaac prays, and of course, it doesn't take as long, but. Um, um, they struggle to have children, and Isaac prays, and all of a sudden she get, conceives, and she conceives uh, twins. And uh, but it is a rough pregnancy. There's a lot of heartburn um, and uh, other things that I just don't know nothing about. And so I'll stop there. But there's something going on here, and that there are two nations at war in her womb. Yeah, there's a uh, you know reduced lung capacity, pressure on the bladder. Rebecca's not sleeping well, and these kids are just moving around in there. And God, yeah, God says that this is a uh, the beginning of some of some fighting between between nations. Um, and the important thing here is that the stronger one, the the um, the one that will be the boss, is actually the younger twin. Mm -hmm. You know, according to the rules of the time, uh, the oldest would be the one that gets the inheritance, would be basically the boss, the one that carries on the family name. But this is yeah. not going to be that way. This is not you, how God works. God you always chooses talk about second. The, the, yeah, you talk about the upside down world of the gospel, Jake, a lot. And this is one of the places we begin to see it. The idea that God is not interested in choosing the best and the brightest for God's team, that God is some sort of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. handing out awards for performance and merit. That did not no. begin with uh, the fact that God is the one who chooses, as you said uh, before we started recording, um, the broken, 
you had some really great phrase for what it was. I forget what it was, but you, you know, God chooses as later we'll read in the New Testament, the, the weak things of the world. Mm. So that's what we see here clearly. Uh, and so when they come out and he's hairy and red and the other one, you know, is one looks at the like heel. you hairy and red <laughs> and the other is smooth <laughs> like me. And, uh, yeah, they, they, and, and also, you know, the birth is sort of this amazing story. Uh, the Jacob is holding on to Esau's heel. heel. Mm. Uh, so even as they come out of the womb, uh, Jacob is trying to, to grab his older brother. Um, as a twin, I can relate to this so much. Just kidding. My, mm. I have a twin sister and we get along really well, <laughs> unlike Jacob and Esau. But, uh, we learn that they continue to have differences. Uh, Esau's a hunter. He's like a he has a likes down with bow and arrow. This Jacob's yeah. a quiet man living in the tents. You mm. know, um, Esau sounds like the more fun one. I got to be honest. Yeah. Rather, it's true, probably. You know. And Isaac definitely loved him, and uh, and uh, Jacob was like his father, a mama's boy. So maybe like uh, Isaac was living vicariously through Esau the whole time, and so. But uh, nonetheless. He was fond of his game, and so um, yeah. Uh, and there they are, and uh, we come to this. So, so you have these two sons, and oftentimes it's pitched like Esau's this bumbling kind of fool, uh, and um, you know who only carries about his belly, you know, and uh, and um, and uh, Jacob is this wise kind of brother. But both of them, we begin to see here in this final paragraph, are jerks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're not good people. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Esau comes in starving and instead of offering his brothers like, well, give me your birthright. Yeah, this is not a, a moral fable. Mm-hmm. This isn't a parable that you're supposed to be like one brother and not like the other. This isn't, you know, Highlights Magazine, which every pediatrician's office in the country used to carry. I don't know if they still do, but Highlights Magazine, you know, how many can you find the hidden items in this picture? And they also had this feature called Goofus and Gallant, and it was two panels. One would show goofus who would you know eat his food and then leave the dishes unwashed on the counter gallant who everybody hates by the way gallant would go and like wash his dishes and put them away gallant was the perfect one and the message was always be like gallant not like goofus and people preach this text and sort of like oh esau he despised his birthright he as you said he only was interested in filling his belly but jacob the point of the story is that both of them are sort of terrible or maybe we could say both of them are flawed human beings what brother doesn't just offer his hungry brother some food like that would be the normal thing not okay i'll give you some stew but only if you sell me your birthright and completely disinherit yourself i mean that's terrible jacob is the worst so what we see here as you said is the graciousness of god who apart from our works and apart from our merits chooses and loves us and this is a representation of how god works in the world and some might say it was unfair but please god don't be fair because if you were fair then i'm toast maybe mm. not jacob smith but i'm toast no oh, well well and then this uh that provides a beautiful segue into i mean what i think is one of the best chapters in romans romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 and it begins with that comforting word right after uh, Romans chapter 7. They always say 8-1 is the best part of Romans chapter 7. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Yep, and this is kind of that continuation of Paul's long conversation answering the charge of being an antinomian, answering the charge of, are you saying because of if God forgives everything, can we get away with anything? And this is Paul's lengthy rebuttal to that idea and saying that we have been set free from the law of sin and death. Actually, the more law you try to put on someone, the more sin it provokes. And it, or there's something in us, sin that is actively aroused and provoked by the law, the more you tell somebody, the more you tell somebody to lose weight, the more they will, they'll buy the Pringles in bulk. Um, yeah. The more you tell everybody that they need to walk at least 30 minutes a day and you can't just sit around all the time. You have to get out there and do something, get your blood pumping, the less they will want to do it. So uh, this is where Paul says um, we have been set free from the law. And actually yeah. by sending Jesus and condemning sin in the flesh of Jesus, the whole requirement of the law the just requirement of the law the the good the law is great it's completely holy and it, you sh- we should live by it but it, the demand of it has been totally met and so now now we have this new life this freedom in Christ as Paul says in verse 9 you are not in the flesh we're in the spirit and God dwells in us so it's this radical perspective on what it is to be a human being loved by God and forgiven by God and filled with the spirit of God and that that spirit dwells in us, gives us new yeah. life. Yeah, and it's also really, towards the end here, really emphasizing that concept of, from the from the readings pre, in the previous couple of weeks, you know, should we continue to sin so that grace may be bound? By no means, you know. Because, why? Because uh, you, you've died, and he says that here, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. And so the spirit working through us um, produces the righteousness that's demanded by the law, because uh, the law, uh, what sin couldn't do, you know, the law would, like he says right here, for what the law couldn't do, because weakened by sin. Now the spirit of Christ dwelling in you does it for you. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that he talks about those who live according to the flesh in verse mm. five, and there's a temptation to want to see that right. as. The kinds of sins that we normally think of when I say the word flesh, sexual mm-hmm. sins, also uh, gluttony or um, chewing tobacco. The, yeah, the, exactly. What about those little packets that like they're it's like in a little faff, like a pouch? Is that okay? That's a, no. no, that's a work of the flesh too. Ah. So. so we think of these, we get these categories of sin. They're often very individualistic, very much based in the body, and it, it ignores a whole category of sin. People forget that one of the sins of the flesh, the sin in the body, um, is to do spiritual things in a way to puff oneself up, uh, to um, sometimes a self-righteous, arrogant, quiet time can be a sin of the flesh, can be mm-hmm. this sort of law-based exercise in death. Um, and so I think it's important to remember, again, the kinds and ways Jesus talked about sin, uh, doing righteous things to be seen by other people. That's an act of the flesh. Praying to be seen by other people. Giving in order to be seen by other people. Um, the sort of patting oneself on the back for being such a great Christian. Those are things that are coming out of the flesh because it's about you. It's about the ego. It's about building yourself up as opposed to dying. Christianity is about dying to self and being raised to Christ, not about trying to, I don't know, muster one's righteousness up. Um, I I remember hearing kind of this passage 
with new ears kind of for the first time taught this way. And all along I talked about how, or I th- I'd always thought that um, I need to, I need to, uh, I don't know, set the mind on the spirit, but in a way that was like gritting my teeth and mm-hmm. white knuckling it. And it, it was totally missing the point. The point of this is that God does the thing in you. You die. Mm-hmm. You, you're, and your, your spiritual failures are how you die. And then mm-hmm. that's when you're ready for this new life to come in. And it's God's work. And it's frustrating because you don't have a role to play very much in it, except to die and lie there. So, any space I didn't cover, a stone I left unturned? No, you did. You, uh, you, you did it well. And, Thank um, you. I think somebody will be able to preach on that passage now. Um, and, then, and then you come to uh, Matthew chapter 13 uh, in this great story of the parables. So um, the parable of the, um, of the soils. Yep, that same day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting on the dock of the bay watching the tide roll away. Yeah, and it's important that, to remember. I message. mean, that's exactly, yeah, that's, that isn't, I think that's Eugene Peterson's translation. So, but uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, the, the important thing to remember here is, is that this is another place where um, the Bible can get turned into fables. And parables are not fables with moral lessons. These are earthly illustrations of heavenly truths. And so Jesus tells the story um, while he's standing on the beach. And, um, uh, and I love this. The word listen in here is coming in over and over. Let anyone who has ears listen. Why is that? Because God is the God who speaks to you. Uh, this mm. is the thing. Notice he's not saying, see, everybody, see. No, he's saying, listen, because uh, he's about to speak some truth. He's about to create faith in our hearts through his word. And so, and he tells this so- story about a sower who went out to sow in various and sundry types of soils. And uh, some of uh, the seed fell on the path, and of course, the birds came and ate it. You can see that in New York City, that we have a crazy lady who set- throws seeds all over the place. And... Um, and on the sidewalk, the pigeons immediately get it. And then other seed fell on the rocky ground. And in New York City, well, the rats come and get it. But, uh, you know, there, there's not much soil. So things spring up and grow quickly, but they die. And then the sun scorched it. And then finally, uh, fell among the thorns and, uh, and uh, the, they choked it. And then other seed fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, 60-30. Let anyone with ears, let them listen. Now, the section that's missing is the disciples are like, so, uh, like, what's that all about? You know what I mean? What does this mean? Why are you teaching in parables? And uh, never forget that Jesus taught in parables on one level uh, in order to fulfill scripture. You remember from the passage in Isaiah where it says, you know, and he, I believe he quotes that in the section that's missing here. They'll yeah. always be uh, hearing, but never perceiving. Always seen, but never seen. And uh, so he, on one level, teaches in parables to fulfill scripture. But, um, and he teaches parables so that those um, who are feeling weak and foolish might really understand and come to hear. And so then he explains the parable to them. Go ahead and jump in, Aaron. Well, no, I mean, I was just going to say, like, there is this temptation. To, so Jesus is describing something that people would have known because so were, they didn't have those big John Deere tractors to deposit the seed perfectly into the furrows. They would just sort of scatter it and some would always fall in these random places. So they would have known what he's talking about. This is Jesus being culturally relevant and using an illustration from, from pop culture in his day. And uh, this is like when Jake quotes uh, quotes The Simpsons. So what what is 
going on here though we make as you said we turned it into a fable like don't be rocky soil don't be the path don't be the person with no root uh or whatever uh be the good soil which is not what jesus says jesus is just describing what human beings are like there are different kinds of people let me explain to you what it looks like when the word when the seed falls in this different these different kinds of people um and the the good news is that through um because of what we know about the heart of god and how god works in people's lives um if you are a person who is in christ this means you are good soil it has taken root and there'll be some days that you feel more like rocky soil and some days you feel like you're the path but uh no matter what because of what god has done you are good soil he calls you that he makes you that please do not preach this as like hey guys get your act together and be good soil remember soil doesn't do anything soil is what it is and like aaron said there are moments in our lives that uh you know we're rocky soil and there are moments in our lives when we are um, just kind of hard sidewalks. Um, but when you're preaching this passage, you need to encourage your congregation and uh, let them know that in this moment, um, by virtue of the word that's covering them, they are the good soil. And they are the good soil and they are bearing fruit. Um, you know, Aaron's only doing it 30-fold, but some of them are doing it 100-fold or 60-fold. But they are the good soil. And I think you can definitely point to the fact that Jesus, in telling this story, and he tells lots of parables that are agriculturally based, um, the sower who's spreading the word of God, the seed, who is the sower? The sower is Jesus, because he's the one who's preaching this word all over the place. He's the one that's telling people about the kingdom. And so Jesus, this sower, um, because of what we know about him, he goes around to soil and he... Uh, pulls the rocks out and he plows it and breaks up the hard earth and makes it uh, a place that can receive the seed. Jesus does this work. So that's another kind of implicit thing here. Not, hey, you go be good soil, but just a word that Jesus is this, you know, last week we said Jesus was kind of a bad farmer in the way he operates a plow, but, you know, forgive us for extending this metaphor. Here we see Jesus as a farmer that... um, uh, will will break up the hard soil and and uh, cause the growth because that's what that's his purpose that's what he wants to see done. That's so right. make sure you don't make this about what you need to do. Make it about what God has done for you and is doing for you even now. Well, have we done it? I think we've done it. It's another good place to end. So um, God bless you guys all. Happy preaching, and um, remember, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Somebody's looking, somebody cares Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know we crucified him, buried him But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away Thanks for listening to Same Old Song And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful Either in your preaching or just in your life If you liked what you heard, we would love it If you could leave a rating or review on iTunes Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.